Good morning. Good to see all of you this morning. We're going to continue our series through the book of 2 Corinthians this morning. So if you'd like to follow along, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, chapter 4. While you're finding your place or turning there, just a couple of things. First of all, next week, I'm going to be making at the end of the service a very important announcement. So I hope all of you will either tune in through live stream or be able to be here to hear that announcement next Sunday. And then secondly, many of you I'm sure have already heard and been praying for our dear friend, Pastor Miguel Olachea. And uh, I just wanna say, just please continue to pray for him. He is a personal friend of mine. Uh, I have spoke at his church in Mexicali, and he has spoken here at the Oasis. And uh, we just have a special relationship with he and his family. And just be praying and continue to pray for Pastor Olachea that God would bring complete healing to him. We are in the middle of this series through 2 Corinthians, and we're looking at it from the perspective of what does it mean to be a servant of God? How do we serve God? Uh, what is serving God? All, all those things. Because if there's one book in the Bible that really can open up our eyes to being a servant, what it is to be a servant of God, what's entailed in being a servant of God. It's 2 Corinthians. It's Paul's own testimony of his own service to the Lord. And so we can gain a lot of good stuff from diving into the book of 2 Corinthians. And I'll say this. I think that through this series, God wants to touch each of us. And he, he, he wants us to make sure that we're serving him as he designed us to that we're doing our part within the body of Christ to serve the Lord. Because remember, as we talked about in week one, serving the Lord isn't doing what I want to do to serve him. It's following his will. That's what Paul said right at the beginning. I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ, not by my own will, but by the will of God. And so are we in the place of service are we doing our part in what God wants us to do within the body? And so we're just continuing to build and add sort of bricks to, to the foundation and to the layers of this as we go through each week. And this morning, if I had to sort of entitle what chapter 4 of 2 Corinthians is all about, I would entitle it, More Than Meets the Eye. Okay? You've heard that phrase before, right? More Than Meets the Eye. Because... What Paul's laying out there for us is that when we are serving the Lord, when we learn to serve the Lord, we've got to come at it from the aspect of there's always more than meets the eye. In fact, I'm actually going to start the message, not at the beginning of the chapter, but at the end in the last verse of chapter 4. Look at verse 18 with me. He says, because we are not looking, and by the way, that word means to keep one's attention on. 
to be riveted by, we could say, or keep your eyes fixed or focused, keep your attention on what, not at what can be seen, but at what cannot be seen. So I even have marked in my Bible, because I'm an underliner, I have looking at what cannot be seen, okay? Think about it. God says, in order to serve me, I've got to pay more attention to the things that I cannot see than the things that I can see. In fact, what's really important about that is, and Paul brings it out at the beginning of the chapter and at the end of the chapter, is because if I, as a Christian even, if I start navigating my life and my ministry based primarily on what I can see rather than what I cannot see, guess what happens? I get distracted, I get disillusioned, and I can become discouraged very quickly. In fact, notice then back up in verse 1. Paul says, therefore, since we have this ministry, just as God has shown us mercy, we do not become discouraged. We do not grow weary and faint and lose heart. And he uses this word again in the chapter towards the end in verse 16. It's not translated discouraged. It's translated in the Net Bible, despair. He says in verse 16, therefore, we do not despair, become discouraged, lose heart, grow weary, even if our physical body is wearing away because our inner person is being renewed day by day. Why? Because Paul says, as servants and as those who live for the Lord, we've got to learn to navigate life primarily by what we can't see, not by what we can see. Paul here is implying throughout this chapter and really throughout this book that serving the Lord and living for the Lord, for that matter, is not for the faint of heart. It's hard. I mean, even Jesus described being a devoted follower of himself as somebody who's carrying around the cross, right? He says, if you want to be my disciple, you've got to pick up your cross daily, die to self, and follow me. That doesn't sound easy, right? No. And, and that's going to be something that if we start looking at the things we can see more than the things that we cannot see as Christians and, and not learn to live by spiritual vision that can see past the things that we can see, then we're not going to last very long. We're, we're not going to follow very closely. Uh, we're not going to last in service and ministry too long because, again, serving the Lord in ministry, I'll just tell you right now, though we all need to do it, it's not for the faint of heart. It's not easy. It's hard. And unless you and I can learn to develop our spiritual vision that primarily navigates life based on what we can't see rather than what we can see, we will get discouraged. We will be filled with despair. We will be disillusioned. We will be distracted. And that's what you find happening a lot in Christians' lives. In fact, let me ask you a question. Obviously, just answer it between you and God. How many of you this last year or so, 
have made choices and decisions and navigated this season of life based more on what you've seen or more on what you have not seen. Think about that. In the last 15 months, have I based my life, my ministry, my service, my walk with God more on what I'm seeing with my eyes or what I can't see? See, Paul says we're going to get into trouble real quick if we navigate life based more on what we can see instead of looking at what cannot be seen. So today, I'd like to give you four things that Paul encourages us with as Christians that are things that we cannot see, and yet they're really to be the driving force of our life with God, our life for God, and our service for God. And I'd like to begin then in the first six verses. And here's what Paul's saying to all of us. We have a light from God greater than the darkness. We have a light from God greater than the darkness. He talks in these first few verses about the fact that they are proclaiming the truth of God in verse 2. By open proclamation of the truth, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience before God. Then in verse 5, he says, for we do not proclaim ourselves, but we are proclaiming Jesus Christ as Lord. It's all about, in a sense, letting our light shine, right? And then he goes on to say in verse 6, for God is the one who first said, let light shine out of darkness. And of course, you go all the way back to the book of Genesis, and you have God creating the universe. And he says, God said, let there be light, and there was light. And the same God that brought forth light in his creation is the same God that brings light into our life and illuminates our lives up with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ when we are open to it and when we receive it as Christians. He says, it is God who says, let this light continually shine out in the darkness. And he's the one who at one point, hopefully, has shined in our hearts to give us the light of the glorious knowledge of God in the face of Jesus Christ. He's saying, every Christian, you've been given light. That light lit up your life the moment by faith you turned to the Lord and accepted him as your Savior. And in order for us not to get distracted, disillusioned, and discouraged throughout our life and ministry of the Lord, we need to always remember that that light that God has given us is greater than all the darkness of the world combined. I love what John says in his gospel. I think it's John chapter 1, verse 5. He's talking there about the light of God, Jesus, coming into the world, and he says, the light of God continually shines, and the darkness will never overcome it. Never. You see, when, when God lights up our life, it doesn't matter how dark the darkness is. It doesn't matter because you and I have to always be encouraged that the light that we possess through God is always greater than the darkness. Now, again, keep in mind, more than meets the eye. Why is that important? Well, if you go back to verse 3, notice Paul does say, he says, look, as we share this light, 
There's a battle going on that you and I can't see in this invisible spiritual realm, right? Because he says, even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled only to those who are perishing, among whom the God of this age, Satan, is blinding the minds of those who do not believe so that they would not see the light of the glorious gospel of Christ. So there's, as you and I even serve and try to let our light shine, guess what? There's more than meets the eye. It's not just us sharing Jesus with others or letting our light shine out there. There's, a, there's battles and wars going on in an unseen world. And you and I have to realize that you and I could get pretty discouraged real quick if we're letting our light shine every day, but very few people are responding to it, right? Or if we're sharing Christ in, a, in an evangelistic way with someone that doesn't know the Lord and we keep getting turned down or rejected over and over again, we could get pretty discouraged, right? But Paul's saying, no, realize something. There's more going on in these people's lives and in you trying to share Jesus with them than you can see. There are spiritual battles and wars going on with people's souls and minds and hearts and don't get discouraged. It may be a timing thing. You may just be planting a seed that someone else will come along and water. It may be that they're just not ready yet to accept it. But make no mistake about it. Don't hide your light. Keep letting that light shine. Why? Because it's the only answer. The light of Jesus Christ is the only answer. Jesus Christ is the only answer. That's why Paul says, I'm not proclaiming myself. I'm proclaiming Jesus Christ, and I will never stop letting that light shine because he's the only answer. He's the only one that can save. He's the only one that can deliver. He's the only one that can rescue. He's the only one that can transform hearts and minds. And so I can't have a plan B. God doesn't have a plan B. God doesn't tell us as his servants, well, if the gospel of Jesus Christ doesn't work, try this. <laughs> if my light doesn't work, then we're going to have to find a stronger light. No, no, no. There is no other light. And you are, and I have to realize that. <clears throat> Part of the discouraging thing for me today is I live in a world, and even in the climate of Christianity, where even pastors and churches are watering down the word or watering down the light and dimming the light because they think not enough people are coming, not enough people are responding, so we've got to do something different. No, 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 my friends. The light never changes. Don't get discouraged because people aren't responding. There's more going on than meets the eye. And yet, God always has his remnant. He always has his light. And no matter what is happening, the darkness will never overcome this light that you have in your life and that we have as Christians. You see, let your light shine Jesus Christ is the only light of the world, and when he came in, he began to give his light to those of us who believe in him. And he says over and over again to those followers of his, let your light shine. Do not hide it under a bushel. Do not, do not you know, dim it. Do, do not uh, 
retract it in any way. You set it out there on that hill. You let your light be conspicuous. And those who are ready to respond to that light will respond to it. And if you have people who are not responding to it, you keep it shining because it is the only light that can work. We have a light greater than the darkness. And we need to always be encouraged with that. We have the light that people need, and we need to just keep proclaiming it. I love what Paul says in verse 5. We do not proclaim ourselves ever, but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your slaves for Jesus' sake. We're your servants by just continuing to let our light shine around you. And that's part of it, too. Remember from day one of this series on service, we said that serving the Lord is way more than just the roles, the responsibilities, the duties that we have as Christians. Don't reduce your service to just what you do every once in a while for the Lord. It's 24-7. It's making ourselves available to the Lord at all times. It's our availability that matters more to God than our ability God just simply wants to know, am I, are, am I available? Are you available? So that he can tap us at any time, anywhere, to anybody and say, I need you to go over here today because they need the light that you have so that they can see it. Maybe they won't respond today. Maybe they won't respond next week or next year. But that light needs to come into their life, just like the light of God needed to come into our life at one time. And I thank God for the people in my past, now a long time ago, who were around me, who shined the light that was in their hearts of Jesus Christ to me so that I could see what a true follower of Jesus Christ looked like and so that I could be drawn and attracted to that light and one day give my heart to the Lord as well. Let your light shine. Secondly, beginning in verse 7, we also have a power greater than our weakness. A power greater than our weakness. Paul says we possess or have this treasure. What treasure? The life of God. But yet we have this very priceless and precious treasure, and God put it in clay jars. Our human bodies, so fragile so frail. Why would God take this precious, priceless life of his, and why would he stuff it in this, right? Paul says, I'll tell you why. So that the extraordinary power the supernatural ability that we live by and that we serve God by will be from God and not our own. That's why. That's why. Yes, we are weak. As human beings, and we're going to see this later on, we start dying the moment we're born. And things can affect us. We can be hurt. We can suffer. We can experience pain. Why? Because we're in these bodies of flesh. But God says, oh, I've placed my life inside of you, and because of that, you have a power, my power, 
that literally resides in you at all times, that can overcome all the weakness you will ever encounter in your life as a human being on this earth before you come to heaven and you see me. See, the Bible teaches us that every Christian literally has the same power that raised Jesus from the dead residing in us at all times. Did you know that this morning? If you're a Christian, you possess resurrection power inside of you. And that resurrection power obviously overcame death. It overcame the grave. It could not hold Jesus down. And God is saying, I, through the Holy Spirit, place that same power in you so that even though you are a human being living on earth and you will be affected by things and you will feel pain and you will have seasons of suffering and you will have all these things that, that affect you, the power inside of you is greater than all of that. That's why he goes on to say, verse 8, we as the apostles of Christ are experiencing trouble on every side. We're being pressed in. We're like a grape that's being crushed. He says, but we're not crushed. He says, we're perplexed, but we're not driven to despair. We're persecuted and hunted down, but we're not abandoned. We're knocked down, but not destroyed. Why? Because Paul says, I got a power inside of me, and that power is greater than all the weakness that I can exhibit as a human being and all the forces that will come against me throughout my life. See, God placed inside of us an inner power that, that, can, that can hold up to the pressure and to the stress and to the crushing that can come into our lives at times to where we feel like we're being squeezed, right? We've all been there, right? And, and a lot of times what, what can seem almost uh, insurmountable and overwhelming is it, it's bad enough when one thing begins to press at us, but there's even times where God allows many uh, things to press against us all at the same time to where it feels like we're being squeezed from all directions. And yet God says, but that power inside of you, it can hold up to all that pressure because it's resurrection power. It's my power. There's no power in the universe greater than my power. And so all the powers and even forces of hell, if they were to come against you, you could still hold up because you got the power of the Lord Almighty inside of you. That's why he says in verse 10, we even can always be carrying around in our body the death of Jesus. Paul connected such agony with the passion of his Lord that he's been going through as an apostle of Christ. I love what he says to the Philippians in Philippians 3.10. He says, all that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. And what else? Sharing in his sufferings. Because Jesus was the great example of that. Listen, listen. Jesus did not hold agony at arm's length. Jesus lived it. Jesus embraced it. In fact, Jesus even made agony glorious because he made it the means of our salvation. Isaiah, the prophet, says, Jesus, our Lord, was a man of sorrows. He was crushed for our iniquities. He was bruised for our sins. He said, bring it on. 
Bring all that suffering and pain and whatever on, and I'll show you what I can do as God. Was Jesus affected? Absolutely. He knows what it's like to be rejected, to be physically abused, to be spit upon, to be ridiculed. He knows all of it. He said, bring it on. I'll overcome it all. I'll overcome it all. And he's trying to say to us, listen, life as a Christian is not going to be easy. There's going to be seasons. It's really hard. And serving me and ministering for me, oh, my, that, that's not for the faint of heart. But make no mistake about it. Whatever comes against you, you have a power greater than your weakness or greater than anything else that's ever going to come against you as a Christian. So don't become discouraged. Don't become distracted. Don't be disillusioned. We have a light greater than the darkness, and we have a power greater than our weakness. We also have a faith greater than our fear. Look at verse 12. As a result, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. But since we have the same spirit of faith, this same inner spirit of completely trusting in God and placing our full confidence in him as that shown in what has been written, I believe, therefore I spoke... We also believe, therefore we also speak. Let me stop there. Much of why Paul and the other disciples and apostles were suffering is because they were proclaiming Jesus. They were living for him. They were letting their light shine. They were manifesting a power greater than themselves, and it was causing a lot of issues. And that the easiest, quickest way to sort of diffuse all that and get rid of it would just be, I'm going to back off. I'm, I'm going to be that turtle that stuck my head out. Nope, don't like the atmosphere. I'm coming back into my shell. Retreating, right? See, you and I as Christians living in a world that does not embrace our Lord for the most part, and where we're not going to be the most popular people in the world, if we let our light shine and live by his power, it would be so easy to be intimidated, to, to, to be fearful of, well, God, if, if I keep living this way, if I keep serving you this way, it's going to cost me something. I'm going to have to make major sacrifices in my life. And Jesus says, yeah, yeah, right? See, that, that, that's, that's where the rub is for a lot of Christians. It's like they want to live for Jesus as long as it doesn't cost them anything. They, they want to serve the Lord as long as they don't have to make any sacrifice. Lord, you, you, let me do something for you that fits into my schedule, that, that's comfortable, that, that, you know, fits all the boxes that I want to. Then, then you and I are good. But when you start asking me to go outside my comfort zone and when you start asking me to, to live a life that costs me something and where I have to make sacrifices and, and where I have to put myself out there and make myself vulnerable... And, and where I might fail and, and be ridiculed and criticized and whatever. No, no, no. Fear sets in, and I'm going back into my shell. And Jesus saying, the faith that I put in you, 
That faith in me is greater than your fear. Let me give you a personal testimony this morning. If you don't think even after 37 years of doing this that I'm afraid, you don't know me very well. Because here's the deal. Faith doesn't mean I don't have fear and trepidation, that I don't have that. It's that our faith overcomes the fear. Our faith is greater than our fear. I sit back there on Sunday as we're praying together, and I'm going, oh, Lord, this doesn't get any easier. And I'm afraid back there. But I also know that God has placed a faith in me that helps me to overcome it so that I can come out before you all and teach the word as I know God has laid on my heart. So I want to tell you that to encourage you. If some of you are like, I I want the fear to leave before I'm going to step out and start serving the Lord, then you'll never serve the Lord. You'll never do anything as far as ministry because it can be pretty fearful and pretty intimidating and and, and you, you feel vulnerable. Why? I'm out here all by myself. Look at all of you and look at all of you that are watching. What if I mess up? Well, guess what? I do every week. What if I make a mistake? What if I say something stupid? That's my family. I say stupid things all the time. All I'm saying is it happens. Do you think Nicole doesn't go through the same thing? What if I don't play the right note or sing the right note? If that that was what drove her other than her faith, she'd never be our worship leader. And I'm only saying that because that may be you. And what Jesus is saying through Paul is, no, no, God has given us a faith that is greater than our fear. So notice what Paul says. If I truly believe, I'm going to speak. Because faith, true faith, must be expressed. It cannot remain silent, my friends, just like we sang this morning. That's why I love what Jesus said. He turned to his disciples. He said, if you guys start to keep silent, then the rocks will start crying out and praise for me. Because God says, where true faith is, you can't keep it in. If I truly trust God, if I truly believe in him, if all my confidence is in him, then it overcomes the fears that can hold us back from living for God, from sacrificing from God, and for serving God. Because all that fear is going to be erased once I step out in faith and say, okay, God, I'm just going to follow you because I know this is what you've called me to. This is what you're directing me to do. And you will meet me there and you will make up whatever is lacking in me. So God, I cannot remain silent. I'm going to get up there and I'm going to tell people about you. I believe, therefore I speak. Don't remain silent. Let your faith be expressed. Can I tell you that's why worship and that's why I love the spirit that's being created here at the OAs. Man, you guys are singing. You guys are worshiping like you mean it. That's the way it should be. The house of the Lord should be a place of joy. Because why? The joy of the Lord is our strength. We should always be filled with joy because God is sufficient, which leads me to this final point this morning. And that's found in verse 15. 
We have a light greater than darkness. We have a power greater than our weakness. We have a faith greater than our fear. And we have a grace greater than our circumstances. A grace greater than our circumstances. Paul says in verse 15, for all these things that we go through as apostles and disciples of Jesus are for your sake, your spiritual benefit. Again, reminding us that sometimes what we go through, what God allows in our lives has nothing to do with us, but has everything to do with God writing his story through us to touch someone else, which we talked about last week. And then he says this, so that, another purpose statement, the grace that is abounding or including more and more people may cause thanksgiving, expressions of gratitude and praise and worship to increase and to overflow to the glory of God. Oh, let's talk about this for a moment. Circumstances. Let's start there. In this context, notice one of the circumstances in verse 16, getting old, dying. He says, we could be discouraged as we get older because our physical body, and again, I'll say this, from the day you and I are born, guess what are we? We start to die. I know that's not something you like to think about, but it's the truth. And throughout our earthly life, our physical body is going to start to wear down and, and, and all of that, right? He says, but... Our inner person, because we, there's more than meets the eye here, is being renewed day by day, literally developed in a qualitative way. So that's why we're not discouraged, because we know there's more than meets the eye here. We have a grace even to deal with the aging process so that we don't become grumpy, cranky old saints, <laughs> that we become kinder and gentler even as we get older, even though we have to deal with the reality that our physical bodies are continually breaking down on us more and more as we get older. Grace, greater than our circumstances, greater than the circumstances of suffering. Notice what he says in verse 17. Our momentary light suffering is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison, but it's more than meets the eye. Lord, I'm going through suffering right now. Yeah, but it's, what it's producing is going to benefit you for all of eternity. And God will give you the grace in your suffering just as he did to Paul. Because later on in this very same book, remember Paul's thorn? He says, I went to the Lord. I asked the Lord to take it away from me. And God said what? No, my grace is sufficient, Paul. Sufficient. Grace greater than any circumstance you and I will ever have in our life. By the way, let me share with you a couple of Pastor Jeff definitions of grace. Grace is the enough of God. Grace is the enough of God. God's enough. God's sufficient. Because he can manifest his grace in a multiplicity of ways, in a manifold amount of ways. Grace is just understanding whatever I need in that moment for that situation, for that circumstance, God will be enough. Another way to say it is this way. Grace is God's everything for nothing to those of us who, des who don't deserve anything. Let me repeat that. Grace is God's everything for nothing. Because why? It's a gift. It doesn't cost me anything. 
Grace is God's everything for nothing to those of us who don't deserve anything. That's grace. And it's always available to us. All we have to do is humble ourselves before the Lord and say, God, I need your grace. And the Bible says he'll give it. He'll give us his grace for any circumstance, for, for anything that we need in order to understand I've got something greater than what I'm dealing with, always. God's enough. Now, why are all these four more than meet the eye things important? Again, a light greater than the darkness, power greater than our weakness, faith greater than our fear, grace greater than our circumstances. Because in this chapter, what Paul's been telling us is basically this. Our perspective will determine our perseverance. Perspective will determine perseverance. If I start just looking and navigating life and paying attention to the things I can see, I will not persevere. I will not endure. I will not be sustained because I will get discouraged. I will get disillusioned. I will get distracted. But if I start developing my spiritual vision to where I can lock in and stay focused and riveted on the things that I cannot see, then I'll be able to rise above my circumstances. Then I'll be able to endure. Then I'll be able to persevere. What does the author of Hebrews say? Let us run this race with endurance, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. You see, keeping my eyes on even who I cannot physically see, but I know he's there. I know he's there. Let me ask you this morning, and only you know for sure in your heart of hearts. Are you discouraged, filled with despair, a little disillusioned, a little distracted in your life, maybe because you've been paying more attention to the things that you can see than the things you cannot see? Let me encourage you. You can change that in a few seconds. God is here. And you can reconnect with God right away. And all you have to do is say, Lord, I need to get my eyes back on you. I, I took my eyes off of you and the things that I can't see for a while, and I'm starting to slide down. And, and I, I need to just reconnect with you. Three things to keep in mind. Just confess it. Just say, God, I've taken my eyes off the things that I can't see. I've taken my eyes off of you, and I've gotten in a bad place. And then connect. Just say, God, I want to see you again. Uh, help me to see the things that I can't see in order that I can persevere and endure. And then continue on. And don't get stuck. And don't just sit there and spin like the, the enemy wants us to. Move on once you've reconnected with God. But take that moment today to reconnect with God. Because folks... If you and I are going to truly live for the Lord, if we're going to be a light as a church in this community, if we're going to, you know, do life as God intended for us to do and do ministry as God intended for us to do, oh, we've got to learn to pay more attention to the things that we can't see than the things that we can see. We've got to be encouraged by the fact that we've got a light greater than the darkness and a power greater than our weakness and a grace greater than our circumstances, and a faith greater than our fear. So I want us to take the next few moments 
through our time of worship here this morning, and I just want us to reconnect with God. And if you are connected, then just keep, keep staying connected to him. Would our worship team come? As you're there today, just ask the Lord, God, help me to reconnect with you. Give me that vision to really stay riveted, looking at what cannot be seen. We need to persevere, folks. We need to endure. And Jesus never said it was going to be easy. He never did. He said, it's going to be cross-like. But God wants us to know that what he's given us through our faith in Jesus Christ is greater than anything we'll ever deal with. Anything that will ever come against us. God has given us more because his grace is enough. And he is enough. Would you stand with me? And as we sing this song today, just ask the Lord again to just keep you connected or get connected to him today before you leave this place.